This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hello, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On Today. We're going to talk about getting up off the mat. You know, when you're down and out, you're down for the count. You're like, no, I am not getting out of bed. I'm not getting off this couch. I'm not going to face my friends again. I'm not going wherever anymore. You're done. You're down. Thing is, what I learned this week on the very spiritual Netflix program, Cobra Kai, what I was reminded of by the Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio, in this new series, Cobra Kai, which is all about all the Karate Kid people like 30 years later, I was reminded by Ralph Macchio's character, Danny, when he told his daughter, you know, I can inspire you, I can teach you, but when you're down on the mat, you're the one that gets up to fight again. You're the one that gets up. Mr. Miyagi can give us all the greatest inspiration. And then it's time for us to make a move. And what our first guest shares with us today is, she wouldn't have gotten up off the mat if it wasn't for the inspiring voices of others. When we're down and out on the mat, we don't just get up and say, yeah, I think I'll get up now. Something inspires us. Usually, someone inspires us. Usually... The words of another person inspire us. When she was 21 years old, Hope O. Baker made a very hard decision. She put her child up for adoption. It's one of the things we all have in common, right? We all had a mother and a father. And no matter what your birth story is, this book, Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey Into the Light, is good inspiration for everybody. So Hope Baker talks about, and I quote her, the impact one person can make on another person's life, but I want you to listen for it. I want you to listen for the moment when she realizes who she is. Listen for the moment when Hope Baker realizes she is exactly like the people who inspired her. She didn't have to tell this story. Why did she? For starters, I was in kind of hiding, you could say, for, you know, the first four years after I placed my son for adoption. I mean, my family knew, my immediate friends, um, and actually only my immediate family. I mean, my grandma, my aunts and uncles didn't even know. And I used to write an anonymous blog, and I got so many messages from other birth moms who, some were my age, in their 20s, some were 50, 60 years old who also had been in hiding. And I I just started to realize that this is really, this is a larger issue than just myself. And there are so many people who are hiding just like I am and are missing out on that support and missing out on speaking with people about their experiences and about some of the shame they feel. And I just decided that you know, I was going to be extremely vulnerable and put my story out there in hopes that it would help another person. And, you know, I'll tell you, I called my publishers 
about three days before my book came out, and I was like, hold on, can we take this part out? Can we take that part out? It's a little much. I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm fearful to share some of this information. And they quickly reminded me that, first off, it's too late. Mm. (laughs) Second off, the goal when I wrote this book was to, you know, tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth and and not miss a beat in the story. And everything served a purpose. So, you know, I just, I really wanted to share my story in hopes that another birth mother or maybe an adoptee or an adoptive parent or really anybody who's gone through struggle um, could see that there's a way to survive, right? There's a way to get through it, and there's no need to feel shame, although, of course, you know, birth mothers are are still going to feel it because of the role society plays, but we can all collectively come together and, you know, find hope and find our light. Absolutely. We're talking to Hope. Oh, Baker, Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey into the Light is her book. And we just all want to applaud you and all the other authors who left those hard pieces in. I can so understand why three days before the book's coming out, you're like, no, I don't want that out there. You know, but it's just that thing I've heard from author after author, the thing that sometimes publishers said, oh gosh, don't put that in. That's too much. It's that thing that ends up staying in the book that really touches everyone. We need to share our deepest, darkest secrets because we're, we are all experiencing this together. So tell us now what your relationship is, or if you have one, with the child that you put up for adoption. Yeah, so we have an open adoption. And gosh, I've had so many conversations about open adoption in the last couple of weeks. Um, but with our, you know, openness, because there's always different levels of openness, um, I get um, his mom, his other mom sends me picture books all the time. I get to see him two to three times a year, although with COVID, I have not seen him all year. So that's been, you know, you look at all the challenges of COVID and then you add, you know, for some of us birth parents who just have been kind of locked out. I mean, I'm used to seeing him and it's been extremely challenging to, you know, go through my birthday and go through his birthday and and just and not be able to see him and hold him and play with him. Um, so we have a, a pretty open relationship, and I, you know, go back and forth with his mom. How are we doing? Big updates in life. She's usually one of the first ones I call or text. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's pretty open. And I'll tell you. I mean, I've since I placed him. I mean, I've been everywhere, and I was in Washington D.C. I was in California. I was in London. And now I'm back in Minnesota. And the one thing that's always remained constant and consistent is that whenever I'm told I can see him, I get my butt on a plane and go. (laughs) Even though, you know, there's a couple years after I placed that I was right out of college, money was tight, and I just remember, like, you know, scrounging together, you know, some cash for an airplane ticket, but that was, it's always been a priority. Does he know you're his birth mom? Yeah, he does. So, you know, I'm sure someday he'll share his story, too. But he does know that I am his. You know, he came from my tummy. I'm his birth mom. Um, you know, and he calls me Hopi, which is 
it's, it's interesting because a lot of people call me Hopi. So now <laughs> that the Hopi name has a whole different meaning to it. Mm. Um, and it's it's funny because I have a, a new puppy that I, well, he's eight months. He's still definitely a puppy. But I find myself sometimes saying to him, oh, Hopi loves you. And I have to quickly, like, wait a second. Like, Hopi may mean birth mom, you know, first mom to my son, but to my dog, I'm his mom. Like, I need to stop <laughs> replacing mom with Hopi. And it's just, you know, it's something that came out in my head recently I've been doing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey Into the Light. Tell us, how long were the darkest days? You know, that's, that's a really good question because I still have dark days. You know, I had a day recently after the holidays and my brother had been with me for a couple weeks when he left and it was a dark day and there was tears in the shower and I couldn't stop and but you know in my book I talk about some of my worst days of struggling with depression and you know addiction and and really hiding behind kind of this party girl persona right hope was always the fun person like that's what people always saw me as, but what they didn't know is, like, when I was going home, I was continuing the party by myself. And some of the reasons why I, you know, did the things I did was because I could finally talk about my son, or I could feel numb, or it didn't hurt. And there's, you know, there's a significant moment where I lost, I kind of lost my stuff. Um, we, I had gotten in a, in a disagreement with my son's mom about visiting, and it just pushed me over the edge, and I spent the next two years trying to, you know, stay in a hole. I didn't want to crawl out of it. I wanted to stay in it because, you know, in that hole, I was justifying making terrible, bad decisions and justifying the need to go out and, you know, go on a three-day bender and make poor decisions. And, you know, so I think that there's a couple of pivotal moments that, you know, the aha moments that are so important. And I think, you know, as people, we don't always listen to those aha moments and to what our gut is telling us. But I, I finally did. And I realized that if I continued on with the way I was, and I would probably be dead. And I didn't want that to be not just my story, but my son's story. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him, that's how he's going to remember who his birth mom was. Um, so I started to make changes. But, I, you know, I think it's, it's impossible to not have dark days um, in our lives, just with how challenging things can be. But I feel like I put together a pretty good system for myself to be able to snap out of it, right, and to actually work through it <laughs> and not just hide it under a bunch of um, alcohol or drugs or whatever the case may be. Right. Wonderful. Is there a particular person or a particular program or a particular thing that helped turn you around? <laughs> that's that's always a funny question because, you know, it, it's interesting because Reese Witherspoon was one of the people I randomly had watched. I'd had a really hard night where I ended up, um, you know, in the fetal position on the floor, wasn't sure what was going to happen. It was a very scary moment for me after being out partying for three days. And... I, that was one of my aha moments. And then, you know, that next day I saw a video of her speaking at um, the Glamour Woman of the Year. And she was giving this speech about women and our power and, you know, everything we can do. And for some reason, like, that just clicked in my head. Mm-hmm. I used to watch Legally Blonde with my mom as a kid. 
And for some reason, like, it really just pushed me into a different mindset. And in the following weeks, I had attended sales presentations and networking events. And I saw two different women speak over the course of two weeks who literally just shifted something in my brain once again. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be them. And I wanted to, you know, build a career and be able to do what they were doing. And luckily... I ended up, I had sent balloons to them after these these talks, and one of them hired me. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I swear, and, and you, know, I, you know, when I wrote my book, I, I told her, hey, um, I don't know if you know this, and I should have told you sooner, but you changed the course of my life. <laughs> and so it was, you know, really cool to have her read the book and... <laughs> see the impact that, you know, one person can make on another person's life. And unknowingly, she didn't know that I was struggling with depression and addiction and not able to, you know, sometimes even go to work before I met her. She didn't know that. You know, she saw something in me and here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Did you send a book to Reese Witherspoon? You know, I have been trying (laughs) to get a book to Reese Witherspoon um, since my book came out last October. So, fingers crossed, (laughs) she gets the book because, you know, she was one of the people who changed the course of my life. And even just to say thank you to her is, you know, would be an incredible thing. I mean, I've thanked her on Twitter and Instagram many times, but to know that she's seen it and understands, you know, the gravity of the power she holds to literally change the course of people's lives. Right. But that's what you're doing now. Yeah. You know, that just caused me to pause for a second. I, my, I think uh, my heart skipped a beat, but I hope that that is who I am, who I can be for people. Absolutely. I got a feeling about you, Hope. I got a feeling about you. Uh, Yeah, I do. I do. I think you're here to do great things. Um, Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's wonderful getting to know you. Tell everybody where they can get more information about you and the book. Thank you so much, Casey. So you can go to my website, HopeOBaker.com. You can get the book on Amazon, online, Barnes Noble online, Target online, Walmart online. I think the local bookstores as well, you can get it online. <laughs> so anywhere you'd like. And there's also, and I recorded the audio of it too, which is actually, it's, it's interesting to listen to it because I don't hold back my emotions. So mm. There are times where there's tears, and I'm reading this book, and it's a pretty, it's a, it's an intense experience to listen to it on audio. Yeah, yeah. You have a very commanding and energetic voice. You're full of life, so I'm sure you did a great job on that. Have you been watching This Is Us? Oh yes, and that last episode. Let me tell you. Oh my God, my heart sank when Randall. I don't want to give a spoiler, but when he said what he said about his birth mom, I just. My heart sunk, and, you know, Shonda Rhimes is actually, um, you know, she, uh, another show that people don't always think about outside of This Is Us is Grey's Anatomy, and if you watch Grey's Anatomy from start to finish, which sometimes I do when I'm having a hard time, we spent a couple months Mm. (laughs) recently watching, re-watching, and there is adoption everywhere in that show. I mean, every single season there's adoption, and you may, like, it's subtle, so you may not even realize it if you're not in the adoption world, but this is us, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, those shows are, 
they're really important to me. And I know that's, that's sometimes interesting to hear about a TV show, but they're very important shows to me and my heart. And she has a great big heart. Hope O. Baker, hopeobaker.com. Her book, Finding Hope, A Birth Mother's Journey into the Light. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On. This Sunday, the free Zoom call, Sunday at 11, we're going to talk to Christy Nelson. Christy Nelson wrote the book, Wake Up Grateful, and she is also the executive director of gratefulness.org, a place you should visit. So join us on the free Zoom call. Get details at Casey.co. And coming up on January 31st, we are going to have our first online Women's Trauma Healing Circle. It's an online trauma healing circle. We'll do that on Zoom January 31st at 1 o'clock. Free to everybody who needs it. Just go to Casey.co and get details about that, too. Continuing on now, our topic today is pretty much how we save each other's lives. How we make each other's lives better. How we inspire each other. One of the exercises I gave the ladies to do at our recent retreat was to write down the names of the people who have inspired you and remember the words they used. Our words can change each other's lives. As our next guest reminds us, we let each other out of prison. Steve Leader has presided over a thousand funerals. He thought he knew how to cope with death until his father died. It was then that Steve Leader, head rabbi of one of the world's largest synagogues out in L.A., became Steve Leader, the son, facing his own experience of love, regret, and pain. He has a beautiful book called The Beauty of What Remains and how our greatest fear can become our greatest gift. And there is just so much loss all around us these days. So much loss due to the coronavirus. So many people have lost family members. That this book, The Beauty of What Remains by Steve Leader, is something that may help you get up off the mat. Uh, Ideally, I want them to see the universal in the particular, that this is not just my story, this is everyone's story. That we, you know, we all can find a way to turn loss into something that really ennobles and and informs our life and makes it more beautiful and more meaningful. Tell us how you did that. The way I, I, you know, made grief, embraced grief, and internalized it in a way that made my more beautiful is first of all, I stopped fighting it. You know, I, I don't believe that this business about grief having stages is true because stages implies that you move from one to the next to the next and then it's over. I think that grief is much more like waves. And one of the things I had to learn is that just like when you're facing an enormous wave, if you try to stand up against it, it's gonna end up throwing you upside down and leave you confused and gasping for air. The better approach is to see it, lie down, allow it to wash over you, and when you can, stand up again. In other words, to to float with this grief, to be with it, to sit with it, and then to rise up again. And so that's the first thing I had to learn how to do. Because then I found in that floating, I was able to hold on to the best and most beautiful of what was left behind, rather than just to be thrashing and, and, and upside down in the world. So that's the first thing. The other thing I found about uh, grief and loss, and, and we're all feeling that so much during this pandemic, is that it does remind us of what's most important. And of course, what's most important isn't a what at all. It, it reminded me again and again that it's, it's who we have, not what we have, that really matters. And again, much like this pandemic, it reminded me and taught me 
that a busy life is not necessarily the same thing as a meaningful life, no matter what we tell ourselves. And so the entire experience has caused me, enabled me, compelled me to appreciate my life and my time and the love I have in my life much more than I did before. And and that's a very beautiful result. And that's why I called the book Beauty of What Remains. And we can all do that. Rabbi Steve Leader is our guest, The Beauty of What Remains. I found myself writing down, a busy life is not necessarily a... What was the word you used? Meaningful, meaningful life. Meaningful. A, a busy just because yeah. you're busy doesn't mean you're having a meaningful experience. All right. I love your analogy that grief is like a wave and we should let it wash yeah. over us, but please give us some advice for when it feels like the wave is going to drown us. Uh, uh, well, the first thing is to reach to reach out. No one endures pain and suffering better alone reach out uh the sages the sages of the talmud said the prisoner cannot free himself that's such a powerful idea the prisoner cannot free himself when we're suffering we need the humility and the humanity to reach out when i'm feeling it i call one of my siblings and say i'm missing my dad so much right now how about you and we share a few stories and share a joke and share a beautiful memory and somehow it helps to lift me from my suffering so the most important thing I would say is when you're sort of in the, in, in the worst of that wave, in addition to submitting and allowing it to wash over you and knowing it will end, reach out. Reach out to others who remember and who care. It makes all the difference. In the minute we have left together, tell me what you think your father would say about this book. <laughs> That's such a good question. I think he would feel very gratified that he continues to be my teacher in death, just as he was in life. Um, I think he would tell me not to get uh, not to get a big head about this book, no matter how well it does. Uh, that I grew up working in a junkyard, which is true, his junkyard. Uh, but I think secretly, his eyes would be sparkling, and he'd be very, very proud. Of course, he would be proud of a great son like that. Rabbi Steve Leader is senior rabbi of the Wolfshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles. He's also written The Extraordinary Nature of Ordinary Things, More Money Than God, and the bestseller, More Beautiful Than Before. Rabbi Leader's new book is called The Beauty of What Remains, and I actually have a copy. So if it feels like that's something you might need... Reach out via email at casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Okay, coming up Sunday at 11, a free Zoom call open to everyone. The author Christy Nelson will join us to talk about gratitude. If you read the book, Wake Up Grateful, bring your comments and your questions. Talk about inspiring. Christy is an amazing person who, as a young woman with stage four cancer, was completely changed after attending a retreat here in the Hudson Valley at Omega with John Kabat-Zinn. His words of mindfulness inspired her so much. And today she is the executive director of the Network for Grateful Living. So join us Sunday at 11, Casey.co. We'll give you more information. And on January 31st, we will have a healing circle for women who have experienced sexual or physical trauma. Come to the circle. You don't even have to turn your camera on. Just sit and listen and be inspired. As Rabbi Leader mentioned, the Talmud says, we let each other out of prison. So I started the show by saying I found inspiration in the Netflix series Cobra Kai, which is 
I guess, the spin-off of all those Karate Kid movies, but like 30 years later. And I am probably too old to be watching Cobra Guy, but I have so, so, so enjoyed it. How they got the whole cast back together again, how everybody looks so great. And also, you know, the wisdom of Mr. Miyagi. It's, it's so great to hear that. So you probably saw this coming. Our thought for the day is for anybody... And all of us, when you ever find yourself flat on your back, down on the mat, wondering, how am I ever going to get back to that life I once had? Or how am I ever going to put the pieces back together? Or how am I ever going to find the strength to have the life I want to have? Remember what Mr. Miyagi said. First learn stand, then learn fly. Nature ruled, Daniel son, not mine. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.